Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Second Chronicles chapter 26, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy today. Today is a, I mean, today is one of those messages I'm really excited about. I'm in between a series and sometimes in between series. Um, I will uh, just teach something that's been on my heart. And this week, uh, this has been on my heart, but we wrote about it, or I mean, we read about it in our daily reading. This was part of our daily reading this last week. And man, it just touched my heart so much. But it's about this guy named Uzziah. Can you say Uzziah? Uzziah was a king. He was the king of Judah. He reigned 52 years, second longest reign Uh, He was put into office at 16 years old. Oh, man, it's pretty young. And uh, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And I just want us to read about Uzziah here for a little bit and about his life, and I believe we're going to learn something. Second Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 1 through 5. Can we read this together? Ready? Read. Now, all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. He built Elath. And restored it to Judah after the king rested with his father. And Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jochaliah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah. Who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Lord, we open your word today and we pray that you'd make it real to us, apply it to our lives so that we can be more like Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I want you to look at verse 4. It says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This was a good guy. He's been king for a long time. Knew how to lead his people for a long time. And he did what was right. And then it says in verse 5 that he sought God. And as long as he sought God, God made him to prosper. Boy, I think that's just a, a, good, a good thing to know that God blesses people who seek him. Isn't that right? Yeah, he was a king of Judah 52 years. He did what was right. And as long as he did, God made him to prosper. Well, I wish we, that would be the end and they would just move on to a different king. Unfortunately, I want to go down to verse 16. And I want to read more about Uzziah's life because it didn't end as well as it began. It says in verse 16, but when, read it with me, but when... He was, excuse me, but when he had become powerful, he also became proud. Just stop for a moment. When he became powerful, he also became proud. See, sometimes those go together because, you know, for various reasons, but I think one reason is you forget who got you there. He became powerful. Everyone their approach to him was always, hey, Uzziah, what do we do about this? Hey, Uzziah, what do you want to do? He always made the decisions, and he got used to making the kings make decisions. He got used to making the decisions. Well, what happened? He becomes proud, like, well, I'm the decision maker. The buck stops here. How many of you know, it says earlier, as long as he sought the Lord, everything he did prospered. The buck didn't stop with him. It should have stopped stopped with the Lord. And it says, and when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. Have you ever seen it in your life? Maybe with you or with somebody else, you've seen it. 
over the years at someone and they were so good and you stop and you just say, oh Lord, keep them humble. Oh Lord, keep them seeking you. Why? Because you cannot rise up and become proud without having a downfall after. Before honor comes humility, but before, but after pride comes destruction. A haughty spirit comes a fall, the book of Proverbs says. It says, and he sinned against the Lord his God. I want you to notice what he did. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the altar. Man, what was his big sin? He walked into church and he burned a candle. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing about that because I'm saying, what else? Did he kill someone? Did he commit adultery? No, he walked into the sanctuary and he burned incense and the Lord was so displeased with him about that. Now that may seem like ridiculous, but I want you to notice it was pride that was his downfall. He sinned against the Lord and the big thing was he entered the sanctuary, he burned incense. Doesn't sound like a big deal to me about it. Well, unless you look at the context of it, it was. In the Bible, there was three big roles. There's the role of the prophet, there's the role of the priest, and there's the role of the king. The role of the prophet was to hear from God and represent God to people. It's the person who heard God. See, back then they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. But they had God and they listened to God and they were the voice of God to people. And so people looked at the prophet. The prophet's role in the New Testament has changed from the prophet in the Old Testament. Prophet in the Old Testament, there was a heavier judgment upon them because they were the voice of God. They heard God and then they would represent that too directly to the people. The role of the priest, they would come on the people's behalf, bring the sins of the people and bring it to God. And then the role of the king, they were the ones who were in charge of the welfare or the well-being of the people, but they also led the people. An example of that would be King Uzziah. He led the people. He wasn't a prophet and he wasn't a priest. All, of three, all three of these are exclusive. They're, they're separate. They, the roles don't cross one another. So what happened? So Uzziah has been ruling here for 52 years and he became proud and just thought, well, it's okay to cross lines. It's okay to step over into boundaries that haven't been given to me. See, it's okay to function in your lane, but when you start stepping out of your lane and, and stepping out of bounds, what happens in sports when you step out of bounds? They stop the play. What happens in, 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 in a life serving the Lord when you step out of bounds? The Lord stops the play. Why is God stopping me? Because you stepped out of bounds. So what do you got to do? Start the play over. Second down. Step out of bounds again. What happened? Third down. Step out of bounds again. What happened? We're going to have to kick, <laughs> right? Why? Because you keep stepping out of bounds. It's not okay just because you win all the time that now you can step out of bounds anytime Amen. you want. And here Uzziah, he became proud when he became powerful and he just stepped out of bounds and he walked in and God took a light thing, what we would consider that he walked in and he did something that only the priests were supposed to do. And what happened? Well, I want you to see here. Burning incense on the altar was reserved for the priesthood and of Aaron and his sons only. In fact, I'll read you the verse in Numbers 18, 7. It says, therefore, you and your sons, he's talking to Aaron in the book of Numbers. He says, shall attend to the priesthood for everything in the altar behind the veil, and you shall serve. And I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, 
But the outsiders who come near to do your work shall be put to death. Man, what a heavy thing. Well, uh, Uzziah apparently knew that, but he didn't follow that. Uzziah was a good king, but he stepped out of line. Just because God uses you in a large capacity doesn't give you the right to choose the role that you want to serve in. We teach our kids. In fact, I hear people say, uh, daughter, son, you can be whatever you want when you grow up. You know, that's a lie. It's true. That's true. That's not, that's not true. You, they can't be whatever they, they want to be. They can be whatever God's called them to be. They can be whatever, whatever the, wherever the Lord has laid out the groundwork for them to walk in. But they can't be whatever they want to be. And that's the problem is I think with all the, yeah, you have the power within you. You dictate your future. All these books and self-help, by the way, I've, I've read a lot of self-help. I, I, I love it. I don't think anything bad. But when you get to the point where it's about self-leading, self-fulfillment, and everything comes about you and your self and your success, and you leave out God out of the equation, you'll get off. You'll step out of bounds, and what will happen? God will stop the play. So we see here in verse 17, Uzziah is up there you know, by the incense. It says, Azariah the high priest went in after him and 80 other priests. I want you to picture this. Picture this room that Uzziah is standing up here. He's at the altar. He's holding it in his hand. And in walks the high priest with 80 other priests. And they come in to warn him. I don't care. I know you're the king, but you can't do that. You're going to get in trouble. It says, with 80 other priests, they confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the work of the priests alone. And the descendants of Aaron who are set apart for his work. He told him, get out of the sanctuary for you have sinned and the Lord God will not honor you for this. They warned him because he was a king, but he wasn't a priest. He stepped out of his lane. Maybe he was on the level of leadership, but he wasn't in the right lane. It says in verse 19, Uzziah, who was holding the incense burner, became furious. See, he had an opportunity. I, I believe God always gives us an opportunity to repent. He sends someone and gives you an opportunity. And I think if he would have repented and said, I crossed the line, I'm sorry, things would have went different for him. But what happened? It says, Uzziah, who was holding an incense burner, he became furious. And as he was standing there raging at the priest, look at that. He was raging at the priest before the incense altar uh, in the Lord's temple. Leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. Picture this. He's holding this candle. They walk in to confront him and tell him, that's not for you. You better stop in your tracks. You better watch out. You're about to step out of bounds. And he starts raging at them and says, back off. I'm the king. I can do this. And what happened? All of a sudden, they're looking at him raging. And all of a sudden, this leprosy starts breaking out on his face. And you know what they did? They backed off. I don't think just because of the leprosy, but they saw the judgment of God. They saw the judgment of God. Leprosy broke out. Leprosy, as we know, is an infectious skin disease that destroys the flesh. They would have to walk around for the rest of their lives and say, unclean, unclean. What did God do? God began to isolate him. See, if, if leaders, if people, if we step out of line, the Lord will isolate you. 
The Lord will isolate you. He'll isolate you from his holy work. He'll isolate you from others. That's why leprosy was one of the worst diseases because it didn't only put you away from your position, it put you away from everyone. A lack of humility. He was warned. Early in his life, King Uzziah was doing good. He sought the Lord, but he stepped out of bounds. See, this was a big deal to God. Look look in verse 20. I want you to read the end of his life here. Verse 20, it says, when... When Azariah the priest and all the other priests saw the leprosy, they rushed him out. And the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord struck him. In other words, they weren't saying, you need to get out. And he said, I need to get out. Why? Judgment came upon him. I need to get out. So King Uzziah had leprosy, listen, until the day he died. Let me say it again. King King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. And he lived in isolation in a separate house, for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. And his son Jotham was put in charge in the royal palace, and he governed the people. Listen, the Lord will sideline you if you start stepping out of bounds. It's important to stay where God puts you. When you read one more verse about his life, if you look right down there in verse 23, this kind of is even more, this is kind of like the icing on the cake. It says, when Uzziah died, after death, can't you just put a nice gravestone on there and say he did a good job? Even after death, he was buried with his ancestors, but he was buried in a grave in a nearby field because the people said he had leprosy. He wasn't even buried with it. He had to be buried away. God didn't only isolate him for the rest of his life. He isolated him even in death because he had leprosy. Even in death, he was sidelined. What did he do again? Wait, what did he do again? He walked into church and burned incense. Sounds pretty cruel, doesn't it? To whom much is given, to whom much is given, much is required. The Lord will allow babies to get away with things. But whatever level, as you grow in the knowledge of the Lord, as you grow in maturity of the Lord, you're held responsible for what you know. In fact, the Bible says it would be better for you not to know. Because now that you know, you're responsible for those things. The same thing, I'm not going to read you the story, but the same thing happened with King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Here's the story. Basically, Saul was in Gilgal. Saul was the king. He was with his army. And all the Philistines were getting ready to march against him. He goes to Samuel, the prophet. This wasn't the priest now. This was the prophet. And what did the prophet do? He represented God's voice to them, right? He went to Samuel, the prophet. He said, hey, the Philistines are about to come with us. And the prophet said to him, wait for seven days. And what did he do? He waited for seven days. And what happened? He started to lose the focus and lose some of his army. And he saw the Philistines about to march against him. And what did he do? He did what a leader does. What does a leader do? A a leader makes decisions. A leader improvises. A leader fills in the gap. A leader makes it happen. A leader takes responsibility. And he did what a leader really is supposed to do. Except... That Samuel told him to wait for seven days. He did wait for seven days. But what happened? He said, hey, we need to get moving because I'm losing some of my men. The Philistines are about to come against me. I'm going to improvise. I want you to bring me these sacrifices. I'm going to go ahead and offer them myself. You know, let's just get this on. As he's offering these sacrifices, Samuel walks up and he goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he goes, oh, I waited seven days. I did what you asked me to do. 
And then here's what he says to him. I want you to, want you to notice this. He says, how foolish. Look at verse 13. He says, how foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command of the Lord that your God gave you. See, he told him to wait for seven days, and he did wait seven days. What do you mean he didn't keep? No, the point wasn't getting ticky-tacky of the seven days. The point was wait for the voice of the Lord to show up. How many times do we not wait for the voice of the Lord to show up, and we rush it, and then we wonder why we don't get our answer? Look at, he says, had you, kept the, had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom, listen, the Lord would have established, say it with me, your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, say it with me, your kingdom. You know what he was saying? He was saying, not only, it's not only going to affect you, it's going to affect your kids going to affect your dynasty your legacy and what did he do wrong he improvised as a leader he stepped in and took responsibility he stepped in and was proactive and so his legacy had to end he crossed lines it's kind of scares you doesn't it does me does it, it kind of scares you to say, Lord, if I cross lines and things, things you've told me to do, and yet I'm, I'm trying to just make it happen. And then things don't work in my life, and I wonder why they don't work. And the Lord says, because you crossed lines. You stepped over the line. But I was just trying to be a leader. Yeah, but you didn't listen to my voice. You know what he told, he told, he told King Saul, I'm really looking for a man who has my heart. I'm not looking for people who've read all the leadership books. I'm not looking for the tallest and the most handsome and the, the greatest experienced lineage line. But I'm looking for somebody who has my heart, who will just listen to my voice. How foolish, he said. Same thing happened to Miriam. Who is Miriam? Miriam, in Numbers chapter 12, was the sister of Moses. And Aaron was the brother of Moses. And one, they didn't like uh, Moses because Moses married a Cushite woman, an Ethiopian woman. And he looked at her and said, what are you marrying that Ethiopian woman? They started, you know, commenting on it and, and downing him because he married the woman. And the, Moses, though, the problem was Moses was God's man. And the brother and sister, see, sometimes as brother and sisters, we think, well, we have the right. We're, we've, like, had bunk beds with them. Like, we, we've grown up with them. We've fought them. We've done. Yet you did, but not anymore. Now they're God's. And so what happened? So they started commenting on the guy's wife. And then they started saying this. I know he hears from the Lord, but we hear from the Lord, too. That's what they started saying. Have you ever heard those comments kind of, you know, we hear from the Lord too. What does he think? They hear from the Lord. We hear from the Lord too. Here's the problem. The Bible says God heard their conversation. And you know what he did? Uh, God said to this, hey, uh, hey, Miriam, hey, Aaron, would you come outside for a minute? Hey, come out to play, would you? Come on, come outside for a minute. Here, they, they started, oh, yeah, God, come outside for a minute. Come out. 
Yeah, come outside for a minute. And what happened? God show, shows him something and he said, I want to tell you, I know he's your brother. He said, but everyone else I just, I show my acts. But Moses, I talk to face to face. He's something special to me. And you're, he said, weren't you afraid to speak against God's anointed? Don't you realize he was your brother growing up, but he's mine now. And you're speaking against God's servant? And God walked away. And what happened? Miriam broke out with leprosy again. What did he do? Isolated her. He would start wanting, he would start wanting to touch and go against the anointed of God. Follow your own way. What happens? Isolation. Isolation. And then Aaron, what is it? Aaron saw his sister and he's like, and he looks over at Moses. He goes, oh, my master. Oh, my master. Has no, it ain't no brother anymore. It's a master. See, I know because I, I, I was raised in ministry with my brothers who were older brothers. And I could talk all that brother stuff. But I'll tell you, they were also my pastors. And there's times I'd walk up to him and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Right. Why? Because I realize beyond our blood, they're connected with God in a different way yes. than I am. Beautiful. And what happened? I received the blessing and the reward because of it. See, if we fall in line, humility, with the plan of God in our lives, if we fall in line with, with, with God's order and God's plan, you get the blessing of that. If you step out of line, he starts to play over. He has to reset. God has given every person a lane. And God's given every person a level. I said God's given every person a lane and he's given every person a level. I want you to look at this picture for just a moment. I was raised around Los Angeles. Every morning, I lived in West Covina, California. I lived about 25 minutes from uh, Los Angeles, and I go to school down in Los Angeles, and I drive down there. That's the, now. That, by the way, that's not how it normally looks. It usually has cars everywhere. It could take 25 minutes to get into LA, or two and a half hours, <laughs> either one, <laughs> depending on the time of the day. There's many friends or many people that I'd know that would wake up in the morning and they drive two hours in and two hours back, and they'd listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of music. Uh, in fact, it, they'd have to time their traffic so much to where if they left six minutes late, sometimes it would cost those six minutes would cost 45 minutes. Just if they were six minutes late, it would cost 45 minutes to get in. That's how bad. Huh, Neil? That's how bad it was. I mean, it is extreme. So I'll tell you one, one of the great things I love about our home now, awesome traffic. <laughs> Memphis has amazing traffic. I, I, people go, there's a lot of traffic. There ain't a lot of traffic. I promise you there ain't a lot of traffic. But God, I want you to just look at that picture. God has given everyone a lane, but God's given everyone a level. Your lane is, is the area he's called you to. The level is the position within that area. And I'll tell you what, it's important, just like with traffic, I'll tell you, the worst thing is to get lost in that, to take a wrong turn. It could take you an hour to get back on the right turn. Do you know in our lives, if we don't know our lane and our level and where we're going and our destination, if we don't hear the voice of the Lord internally and catch what he's saying to us, if we don't get in line and follow, it could detour you for months, sometimes for years. He'll get you back, but it might take a little while. 
How many know I just want to stay on course? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could take detours, but we just want to stay on course. God's given every person a lane and a level. Look at Romans chapter 12. It says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. That's the level. He says, but to think soberly. I want you to notice, just leave that scripture up. I want you to notice he didn't say think low of yourself. He said, what he did say was don't think higher about yourself than you should. But can I tell you also, don't think lower about yourself than you should. Because if you're a leader and you don't think at the level that he's called you to think at, then you're thinking lower. But if you're someone that's underneath someone else, which all of us are, I said all of us are, Someone might say, I only follow God. Well, then you're probably not in submission to what God has. God has called every person to be in submission and humility. I'm not talking about domineering and control. I'm talking about the, the beauty, the, the, the safe place of being submitted under the, the place God has. In your home, in your work, in your family, in your church. God's given people safe places with lines of authority. He says here, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. And look in verse four. As we all have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. That's the lane. You're looking over in, in someone else's lane. You ever do this? So you're driving along and all of a sudden you start curving and you cross over the lane. You hear boom, 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 boom. You know, I, drive, I like to drive in the slow lane. Uh, because you get less tickets in slow lane. Okay, I think there's, I, I read a statistic. It was like, you know, 70%, uh, then, uh, no, 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 you know, 70%, 20%, and then the other two lanes are 10%, something like that. So I always drive in the slower lanes. It's a better percentage, okay? So, but, but if, you're, if you're driving along and all of a sudden you're just veering off, you're looking at a sign or looking at something and you hear boom, 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 right? It's saying you're going off your lane. You just need to make sure that's, that's kind of a warning sign. Yeah, you need to stay at your level and you need to stay at your lane. But he says, don't think more highly of yourself than you are. God has called other people to do certain things and he's called you to do certain things. Don't look at someone else and veer into their lane. That's when we get into trouble because we go, I want what they have. Well, you're not going to get what they have. You're not them. Amen. You're not going to be at their level and you're not going to be in their lane. And they have their exact same thing. You may have people that are similar. You may have people think things that are common. But if you start focusing on them and getting your eyes on them. I saw a study some years ago that was talking about, it was a, a, about, paramedics and they were going in through intersections and they were showing that when you focus on the accident or you focus on the trouble that, that's going on as you get up to the intersection if you look at it for some reason you'll go toward it and hit it so they'll say don't focus on that you know what happens when you start focusing on someone else's role i want what they have i want the lane i want the level i want what they have you know what happens you'll get off off of your lane, you'll cross out of bounds. And what happens? Well, depending on whatever level, kings had to be judged at the level of kings. But whatever level you're at, God will bring penalty. Where there's penalty that happens. Oh, I wish I were at that level. No, no, no you don't. See, if you were at a higher level and you made some of the things, decisions that you do, 
You do some of the things you do at whatever level you're at in life, you get judged higher. How many say, just thank God for the level that I'm at right now? Thank God for the level. I just want to stay in my lane, and I just want to stay at my level. Three quick words. One is this. Humility is relational. Humility has to do with you and God. It's not just about hierarchy. James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want you to notice, humble yourself under God's eyes. 1 Peter 5.5 says, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Let me tell you, your level or lane, wherever you are, has to do with a person, and his name is God. It's not about a position. Don't seek position. Seek after the person. Humility is relational. When we humble ourselves, it's out of relationship with a real God. Remember 2 Chronicles 7, 14. says, if my people who are called by my name. Listen, if my people. God says, those are my people who are called by my name. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will. See, it's all about prayer is out of relationship. But notice it didn't say pray. It says if they'll humble themselves and pray. It's about relationship. Didn't Jesus say, when you pray, say our Father. Why? Prayer is relationship. It's about relationship. Prayer is not about a distant God, but about an engaged Father. That's why a lot of people have a hard time praying with God because they don't know what a father relationship was. And listen, if that's you, don't worry about it. You just, you just run to God and start. He'll show you what father God's supposed to be. By the way, the first place you learn humility is in, in the home growing up. The first place you learn humility and submission, the role of fathers and mothers are a necessity in our society today. Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment. If you don't learn submission growing up at home, listen, if you don't learn submission and authority growing up in home, you'll have a hard time submitting in the workplace. You'll have a hard time submitting in church. You'll have a hard time submitting at your job, in your life, in your school, because you didn't learn submission at home. Humility is relational. Number two, humility is positional. Humility is positional. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up. At the right... (laughs) Would you say this with me? At the right time. But now may not be the right time. I want him to lift me up. You may not. Because to whom much is given, much is required. You may not be ready for the test. Don't take it today. But I want the position position comes with the test privilege comes with responsibility they always go hand in hand humble yourself under the mighty hand of god and in due time he'll lift you up psalm 75 6 and 7 says for promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south but god is the judge god puts down one and god sets up another if you're put down don't blame it on people it's god if you're lifted up, don't blame it on people. It's, it's God. God's the one who sets one up and puts down another. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, Recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. I want you to look at that word, over you in the Lord. You know, if that rubs you the wrong way that someone's over you, then you have an authority and submission problem. And it's going to hurt you more than anybody. 
Again, you learn authority and submission in the home. You learn it growing up, and, and sometimes you just need to learn it through the school of hard knocks. However you need to learn it, learn it. But he says, recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Let me ask you, and don't answer, you don't have to answer this question. Don't answer this question. Who's over you in the Lord? You know, some people would look and say, nobody's over me in the Lord. Well, then you're unsafe. Everybody should have someone who's over them in the Lord. I have someone who's over me. People who are over me in the Lord. He said, and esteem them very highly for their, uh, in love for their work's sake. He said that they have, they have to do a lot. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, younger people, submit yourself to your elders. I know young people say, oh, those old fogies, you shouldn't talk that way. Those old people, you shouldn't talk that way. It's a lack of submission. You see, if we can learn this, God can lift you up quicker. If people can learn authority and submission and humility, God can exalt you because he trusts you. This is not about putting you down. It's about getting you up. But God can't get you up unless you go down. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, younger people, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. From the time you were born to the time that you die, God has positioned us under authority. Home, work, school, embrace it. If you have an issue with authority, listen, if you have an issue with authority... If you have an issue with serving someone else, you'll have an issue with leading others too. Amen. Well, I want to lead. I don't want to serve. If you have an issue serving somebody, you'll have an issue leading somebody. Amen. Because it's the same spirit yes. and the same will that you do it with. In fact, Jesus taught that the greatest leader, <laughs> leadership is not what it's signed, it, it, it all appears to be. People go, I want to be a leader. Are, are you getting ready to serve more? What are you talking about? Yeah, you have to. Jesus said you must be the greatest servant or else you disqualify yourself. Humility is positional. Luke 14, 11, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. I've had people come up to me and say, I just feel put down. I feel humbled. I feel everywhere I go, I get put down. And I'll say, well, you must be exalting yourself then. What are you talking about? It's not me, it's them. No, Jesus said it's you. Jesus said everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. It, it's like a teeter-totter. You, you put down weight on this side, and this side comes up. You put down weight on this side. It, 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 unless it's broken, it can't, and the kingdom's not broken. I'll say, I'll tell you one of the ways to rise to whoever God's, whatever God's called you to do, humble yourself. I am humble myself. Humble yourself more. I'm doing it more. Do it lower, however you need to do. Humble yourself and everyone who exalts himself. Humility is positional. Proverbs 18, 12 said, before honor is humility. Matthew 23, 11 says, the greatest among you must be your servant. Must be your servant. You know, people will sometimes come to me and they'll badmouth a leader. Um, and sometimes it's a leader that I know maybe not in church, but somewhere in their job or somewhere in friends, and they'll say, yeah, they this, they that. And I'll, I'll just stop and ask them. I say, hey, come here, come here. Can I tell you something? Can I ask you a question? Do you know them? Have you ever talked with them? Well, no, because they're... Uh... Yeah, you should talk with them. You should go sit down and talk with them. Most of the time when they do that, you know what they'll come back and say? He's a nice guy. They're really nice people. Yeah, they really are. You had a bad perception of them. And the problem was within you. I'm not saying you don't have bad leaders. 
But it's important to receive leaders as from the Lord, not just, not just jump to conclusions and badmouth them. Also, humility really is a return to reality. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean by that. You are where you are, and you're not doing anyone a favor by humbling yourself. Sometimes people, uh, I've, I've heard people talk and they'll say something like this. Yeah, my boss, you know, he said this, um, and, 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 and they, they said this, and I totally disagree with them. So I said, well, what are you going to do? I'm just going to submit. I guess I'll just submit. And, and I said, but, but you're saying it in a way that you're doing something for somebody. They'll say, what do you mean? Humility is just a turn to return to reality. You're going to submit because you're under them. You should submit. Yeah, but I guess I'll just do what they, they say. That's what you're supposed to do. The only thing you're doing is doing yourself a favor. People walk into church sometimes and they'll go, yeah, I disagree, but I'm, you know, I'll tell you what, I disagree. I'm not talking about biblical things. I'm talking about just, I would do this. I'd make this blue instead of green. I disagree, but I'll just go ahead and submit. And I say, you should submit. Why? Because you're not the leader. Right? You're not doing anybody a favor by submitting. Submission is just calling out what it is. It's a return to reality. And when you're the, if you can learn to live that way with, with the leaders that you're under, then when you're the leader, you can work with people more. And you can say at the end of the day, you say, here's what I like to tell people. At the end of the day, I say, man, I wish I didn't have to make the decision. But because I'm responsible for the decision, I've tried to hear everyone's voice in this. And I'm going to have to go ahead and make a decision. I, I realize there's some people who won't be happy with this, but can we just go with it? You know why I can say that? Because I understand how to be submitted. If you can't be submitted, it'll be hard for you to, to lead others in that. Submission is, also submission is only tested when there's disagreement. Submission is only tested when there's disagreement. <laughs> Sometimes we go, but I've been submitted this whole time, but now I don't know about this. Well, you've agreed this whole time. Now that you don't agree, now submission is tested. See, what is sub, sub, like a submarine? It means to come under. There's a mission, and then there's a submission. So to be submitted is only when you don't agree with the mission. Well, I don't agree with that, so what am I going to do? Well, you're either going to be called to be the leader, or you're going to submit. And submit doesn't mean like, fine. No, submit means you have a heart before the Lord. Like, well, I trust. Who do I trust? Ultimately, I trust God. Come on, somebody. Ultimately, I trust God. I trust that God has pl placed me at this job, right? I trust that God has put me in this family. I, I trust that God has, has put me here, and I'm not sure what's going on, and maybe I just need to pray, but I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to whine and moan and cre create something and cause judgment or something to come upon myself, or I'm not going to create weirdness in the atmosphere. Amen. Amen. Am I, does anybody, Amen. <laughs> I'm almost done. Submission's only tested when there's disagreement. If you agree on everything, you don't have to humble yourself. Humility is positional. Number three, last of all, humility is functional. Humility is relational, it's positional, and it's functional. God's not just trying to make everybody happy. God's not just trying to put everyone... Um, God's not also... He, he, neither is God trying to just 
put everyone in their place to teach them some lesson. No, God is working a big plan here, and you and I are part of the plan. The problem is God treats us so well. It's like I might treat one of my kids, and I say, I love you so much. You're the center of my universe. I love you. And all of a sudden, they get out into the real world where they're not the center of anyone's universe. And they go, but what about me? And you realize, well, the problem is that's how I treat all of my kids. (laughs) And that's how God does too. See, God wants you to know that he's all about you, but he wants you also to know that there's a big plan that's going on on here and this world is not all about you. See, humility is about functional. It's about, it's God's trying to get something done and if we don't have people whose hearts are submitted to the Lord, God can't do anything. God's not just trying to put everyone in their place, nor is he trying to make everybody happy. He's trying to work this big plan. God cares about each individual. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes we can be so self-centered in our thoughts and our prayers and forget that there's a bigger picture. Sometimes our prayers are so much about, God, I need you to do this, need you to do that, as if what we're doing is really what everything's about in the circles we're in. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for the things you desire. The Bible says to. But there is a bigger perspective. And if you don't have humility, if your agenda is you and not him, that's what he means by a man after his own heart. If, a man, if you're a man after your own heart and not after his own heart, if you're not able to acquiesce and 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 and, and and give in to the plan of God and let him lead you. We'll be off on that. There can't be two quarterbacks functioning at the same time in the football field. You can have two quarterbacks on the team, but only one can play at a time. You ever heard of the saying, too many chiefs and not enough Indians? I don't know if I can say that anymore, but... <laughs> what is he saying? You, you, can, you can only have so many leaders. But leaders have to come in, and at times they're not leading. They have to follow. And you have to be okay with that. Everyone can't be the leader. We have to be willing to do whatever God wants us to do in that season. Somebody say amen today. Our function does not define us. And if we make our function in our lane and our level to define us, we'll have a hard time stepping out of it when God says to step out of it. But it does help to facilitate God's plan. Let me say it again. Humility is functional. Ephesians 2.10 says, We're his workmanship created for good works which God's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's leading us and guiding us. Philippians 2.2 says, Fulfill my joy. Look at this scripture would you, with, with me, would you? It says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love. Read it with me. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Read this with me. Let nothing. Say it again. Let nothing. One more time. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Don't sign up for a ministry out of selfish ambition. Don't apply for a job out of selfish ambition. Don't make decisions in your week out of selfish ambition. Do it because it pleases the Lord. And do it because even the joy in it, you know that God wants you to have joy and excitement and enjoy life. I believe that's why. He created us 
And he wants us to bring a lot of people on for the ride. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Read it with me. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out for not only his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We don't lead or minister for us for accomplishment. It's for God. Humility is functional. And there's grace that comes with humility. I'm telling you, when you learn to stay humble in your heart, and realize that it's relation. It's about your relationship with the Lord. It's positional, but it's also functional about God's big plan. When you learn to do that, God will use you in ways. God will use you in ways that you couldn't even dream of. But if we can't disengage self, if we've already come and pre-planned our life and say, God, I just need you to meet that, do that. I think sometimes God does it but that may really not be what you want. There's grace with finding your lane and there's grace with finding your level. I'm going to close with this. It was a couple years ago and I faced a challenge in my life. And I remember I prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it and I kept hitting the wall. I mean, most of the time when I pray about it, it just happens. It just happens. But I kept hitting the wall. I kept hitting the obstacles. I kept hitting the obstacles. And I was reading my daily reading that day in the book of Isaiah. Put up that scripture if you would, uh, Julia. Isaiah 45.2. And he says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. Just leave that up for a moment. I will go before you in your lane your level, what you're doing, and I'll make the crooked places straight. And I was praying, and I said, but Lord, have you ever looked at that scripture and said, that doesn't apply to my situation right now. Doesn't seem like you're doing that. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. And I was looking at it, and I said, but Lord, what's this? I'll go before you and make the crooked places straight. Certainly doesn't seem like. And the Lord just asked me this question. He said, what if I don't? So what if you don't what? What if I don't go before you? and make the crooked places straight. I got to thinking about it for a while, and I was praying. I said, well, I guess then I'll have to go ahead. And what happens? Then you have to make your own crooked places straight. And the Lord's like, well, isn't that what's happening? I'm kind of slow sometimes. I go, I want what? (laughs) You're going before me. And you're trying to straighten it out. And I told you, I have to go before you. You know what? All I needed was that. I I was like, got it. Got it. I know what you're saying. I'm slow, but I got it. You know what I did? I just, I knelt down and I said, God, I repent for trying to lead you instead of letting you lead me. I've been trying to lead the Lord. And if I lead him, I'll have to make the crooked places straight. I'll have to hit the devils and the obstacles and all the things alone. And I'll hit a lot of bumps in the road. But if I let God go ahead of me, if I just back up and say, God, I'm not going to step over the line. I'm not going to do what you do. I'm not going to do what other people are supposed to do. I'm going to stay in my lane, stay at my level, my position, and I'm going to let God be God and go before me and make the crooked places straight. I'll tell you what happened. I mean, within a week, everything turned around. 
everything turned around. No more bumps in the road. Everything straightened out. It was miraculous. But it was available the whole time. Why is God putting me through this? He's not. Bow your heads. Close your eyes, would you? Come on, let's open our hearts. I want everyone to respond this morning. I'd like for every person to respond this morning. Every person to respond this morning. Just open your hands, open your hearts today and say, God, show me what you're saying to me. God, I put you in control of my life. Lead me, guide me, direct me. Holy Spirit, lead my life, I pray. Show me my lane. Would you pray this? Show me my lane. Show me my level. Show me who I'm under. Show me who I'm leading. Show me what you have for my life. And anything that comes to mind, Lord, if I'm out of line, I repent of it right now. Would you do that? Lord, if I'm out of line in any area, I repent of it right now. Josiah had a shot, and so do I. But Lord, I want to come and get things right in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.